Hi, I'm Clement Liu. Welcome to the second season of Just Sustainability. Last episode, Janice and I spoke about connecting the dots between sustainability and equity, as well as coalition building. To begin this episode, we pick up where we left off with Janice and I talking about the ways that we all might work together to find common cause with one another. I think it is definitely the case that with any kind of big enough problem, once one digs deep into it, it becomes obvious that it's tied to other problems. And so if you're interested in solving the original problem you start working with, you become interested in solving those other related problems. Mm-hmm. And right, that's, that is a way of finding common cause, right? By just thinking about how the things you're working on, in fact, are dependent on the things that other folks are working on. And that is a, a basis of like building relationships, right? That, that common interest in like solving these mutual problems. That's right. And I love that word you just used too. like, it's like interdependent, right? Like, of course, like everything is dependent on everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's once you start, like you said, to, to really dig in deeply on one issue, you, you, you see where it's rooted and connected to so many other things. And then you'll, you'll go, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, a, I can see how these things fit together, but also wait, that actually affects me too. Or that affects my family. That affects my children, my neighborhood, my you know, colleagues, you know, they're, they're, it, it is really quite incredible when you, when you can like have those connective threads. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, they talk about like support. I think that that's really where you find it too. Um, Cause you know that like I'm being, it's almost like feeling like you're being held by all these other connective tissues, <laughs> like, like the human body maybe, right? Like there's the, our muscles are all connected to each other or to other muscles. And right. You know, and, and, and sometimes when you strain one, another one kind of like starts to compensate for the for the need for that one other muscle to heal, yes. to have that time and space. And and that's OK. And like sometimes it's a, it's really OK to like take a step back. Right. Sometimes it's really OK to say, you know what, I have to lessen my load right now because, again, things can get heavy mm-hmm. it's exhausting work but that's why you have coalition and you have solidarity and relationships because we all need that mm-hmm. we all need that time and space for rest and recuperating this <laughs> work is a bit bruising too <laughs> right. no i mean especially right like when it comes to sustainability and like sustainability, anti-racist yes. work right yeah i mean yeah, I mean, because both are so deeply personal, and and because right, the, they're such so difficult in in many ways, uh, right? There's a lot of things to be sad and angry about, and mm-hmm. that's no way to live, right? To be sad and mm-hmm. angry, so one needs to be able to right to find the joy in the the work mm-hmm. by finding the joy in uh, right the relationships that one builds and the communities that one builds and that that right that that common kind of effort towards doing good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, oh, joy. That's, I mean, to, to, if we, if we talk, if we have a few minutes to talk about joy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but like, that is honestly, so there, those are the moments when I do find my moments of joy. Mm-hmm. It's that's, um, th- those are the times where I feel like I'm the most successful, right? Like, I feel like this is in, in, in keeping with like, 
and and knowing like where how much my ancestors right or elders had to do Mm -hmm. to get me here to do to get us all here so to have those moments of rest have those moments of joy like i feel like that's where we win Mm. (laughs) like if i if i can have the moments to like again like be in my garden to see my nieces and nephews to hang out with my cats and just have a moment of like peace Mm -hmm. (laughs) like cherish that so much because again there's there's so much to do there's so much to be angry about there's so much to be there's so much trauma right like and so when we have those spaces and those moments of peace Mm -hmm. and joy and love and rest that is what like that's the point Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i feel like that's that's what we all deserve Mm -hmm. like and that and like that that's where you that's life. That's when life is worth living. And, and we have to keep fighting for that, mm-hmm. those moments every single day, mm-hmm. fight for those moments. <laughs> well, and, and those, right. They, and finding those moments in the work, I think, right. I think that's how it makes the work itself sustainable. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there is something right. Like, right. Like, for example, like chatting with you, right. Like yeah, this is certainly. right. Like definitely a, a moment of joy for me, like talking certainly about these enjoyable. things with like yes. someone else who like <laughs> is just equally nerdy and cares equally yeah. much about these sort of things <laughs> absolutely oh you're so right absolutely of course yeah. i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more yeah and and, it, and it's it's absolutely a joy it's a pleasure it's and really it's an honor to like have again to have these times to communicate and to share right yeah. with with people um with with you clement uh yeah. that like yeah this this is why this is why i do the work certainly at this point of our conversation, I asked Janice about what she thought the Academy could learn from community organizers, and she had a terrific answer. In essence, her suggestion is that institutions of higher learning need to think about developing curriculum to provide students with skills and knowledge that be useful for coalition building and community engagement. We also revisited some of the things that Janice and I talked about in previous episodes. More specifically, Janice again pointed out the importance of narratives and the perspectives that are most centrally represented in the narratives that are featured most centrally in the classroom. Here's that conversation. So one thing I've noticed being someone who works in higher education is that when it comes to like addressing kind of social problems and like, particularly when we're thinking about things like equity and thinking about environment, mm-hmm. thinking about sustainability, it's, it's community organizers that are ahead, right? It's, it's folks who are doing the nonprofits yeah. who are doing the organizing that are really kind of at the, the cutting edge, the innovative part of thinking about these problems. And then we, we, I often find myself in higher ed, like trying to catch up, right? Learning from the folks who are doing, and then like trying to theorize around what folks are doing. And so I want to ask you, right, being a person who is a community organizer, but who is very aware of higher ed, what's something that higher ed should be focusing on more that like that community organizers and like, and nonprofits have like keyed into already, but like, higher ed hasn't attended to yet hmm. Hmm, that's a good question um well i sometimes i think when i think back to like my time in school and college i mm-hmm. went to the u of m been in the twin cities uh it took me i felt like it took such a long time for me to really find environmental justice and to really like mm-hmm. even though i started out at emperor with emperor at hamlin <laughs> uh mm-hmm. which was on a college campus but like the how do I put this like the academics of organizing mm-hmm. like where's that class <laughs> you know like no, how do we just like even just to like think about or to to learn about the hist- like history of social movements that's something that like so mm-hmm. the history of social movements is I think is how I think 
what I think that's how I found EJ is because I had like environmental science mm-hmm. and environmental policy like work that I was interested in. I had like political science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did a bit of like history that those were kind of like my my threads for my academic career. Mm-hmm. But I was like scrambling to find where that like even like entry level classes on like social justice movements and organizing. Yeah. Like well, somebody just give me the course on that. A lot of folks talk about leadership, right? Leadership is becoming a thing that is a, mm. a topic of study, but like mm-hmm. when people think about leadership, they, they frame it in terms of business, right? Uh-huh. Like they, it's mm. not framed against like in, in terms of social organizing. Now, um, Right. Like there, I think right. there are reasons why that's the case, but <laughs> I find for most of our students, I mean, I shouldn't say our students, most of them, like this, the, like most of my students, the students that like the institution I work at, yes. uh, the social organizing would be much more relevant than the business, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, working at a small liberal arts college where most of our students end up working uh, in government or in like nonprofits, okay. yeah. the, the skills that like they need are to think about like, how do we, how do you communicate with communities? How do you build relationships yeah. with communities? Mm-hmm. How do you build solidarity, build coalitions, uh, which is something very different than you would learn in say like a leadership class that's using the business model, right? The model of, of like yeah, kind of business, because th- that's not a good way to relate to like, <laughs> average folks that yeah. you know you're trying to get together behind the you know a social movement exactly yeah and and it's you know and it's also kind of like it feels like kind of surprising and like mm-hmm. you know maybe and i'm like hopeful that things have changed in the last like 10 years since i've been in school but like <laughs> uh to think because like you to think about what incubators college campuses can be for mm-hmm. social justice movements right like that it's not as if that activity isn't happening because it's happening all around you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's not exactly, or at least I struggle to find it translated, you know, transferred into the classroom, mm-hmm. into the coursework. It was almost like you know, you you have your, you've got your major pathway, or you know, what have you, or your coursework for the semester, but then you have to find the time outside of that to organize. Right. And like, and I know that like, because I was that student too, where I'm like, I'm trying to understand how do I utilize what I'm learning Mm -hmm. inside the course, the classroom in my organizing, but also vice versa. How do I bring my learnings of community organizing into the classroom? Mm -hmm. And I, I I really wish I knew what I did. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where that went, like how that actually ended up working out. Um, but uh, yeah, I it, I I definitely my and this is you know not, certainly not to say that you have to go to college to get this no. because you don't, right? But like my education and organizing as when as it really should be in a sense, uh, you know, happen in the community, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> However, like they're like in order for higher education, like you said, to like be more in tune to what's going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like you've you've got especially for I mean for for you for all you have you have a Morris. I mean, I can only imagine like being surrounded by the community that you are. Mm-hmm. Like your your community is right around you. Like all colleges are situated in a community, mm-hmm. and there are issues and there are things that like. I know that would um, 
community organizers certainly would benefit from access to the resources that exist inside of an institution. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely know that for a fact, because um, <laughs> I know it would have been useful, been useful to me and has been. Uh, but it, it, it took a lot of it took a lot of work for I think for for me and like all the campaigns I've been a part of that when we did connect with universities, um, certainly like U of M and Twin City in the Twin Cities mm-hmm. and other colleges that exist in the Twin Cities. But um, it took a lot of work to make those connections. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, it's kind of funny because like, I, I, I'm sure for Morris as well, like there are some of those like community liaison, like arms or like mm-hmm. centers, right. That like are there to be that direct community connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I imagine that for students who are, craving again how do how how they may um transpose their kind of academic experience and uh pathway and the things they're doing inside the classroom Mm -hmm. how do you how do you put that to use inside of at within a community organizing perspective yeah and that is something that like I, I, I definitely believe there could be a whole semester's worth of content there of like trying to explore that and, and figure out what, what, what is like a useful model. Yeah. At least, at least an alternative one, like to, like you said, the business model that generally is the case. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Cause right. Like I think, right. I'm just thinking uh, about like my own classes that I teach and like classes I'm aware of. And there's a lot of why, and there's a lot of what when it comes mm. to like social movements, but there's not a lot of how. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think it, we do need to be thinking more about the how. Uh, I and I and I think this is, yeah. I think this is just an area of research that's under sort of theorized and underappreciated. I think because mm-hmm. right, most the most academics are sitting around asking why and wh- why and what questions versus how questions, right? Uh, but we should be asking how questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, that's a that's a that's something I'm going to have to think about a lot more. Hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you yeah, very much. Sure. Yeah, I would say, hey, and and same. I will also think about that a lot more because I mean, you know, sometimes I'm like, huh, is that a? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I can't, I can't just like lob that at you and then be like, yeah, there you go. I asked you to lob that. But you know, I think, but then also too, it's like it's part of the nonprofit community as well. I mean, I, I think to to be just a little bit interrogative on um, the nonprofit community too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think is you know not every organization, but like there's some that are not in a dissimilar place than the higher institutions, mm-hmm. the academic institutions that like are certainly in a place where they may be struggling to figure out. Um, I mean, just to, to, to figure out like how to incorporate equity, right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much of that happening within the environmental and climate movement where this is like still a question for a lot of folks of like, well, how does racial justice fit into this fight for climate justice? And, right. you know, uh, I find myself like, okay, how do I, <laughs> do I need to keep repeating? I feel like I'm always repeating myself. And so I'm like, yeah. well, do I need to figure out what are like some better modes of messaging or something to get the point across that again these things are not only like they are literally the same problem right, right, <laughs> like right. a problem with their planet warming to be g- getting into a dangerously uh unlivable uninhabitable place um is the same problem where it it feels like as a person of color the places that i live can feel very dangerous yeah I know, but you said you just made me think of something. There's a an interesting mm-hmm. article article by uh, 
uh, a philosopher at, I want to say University of Michigan, but it might be mm-hmm. Michigan State University. Anyway, his name's Kyle Powers White, and he writes, uh, there's an article he wrote about like, a, I can't remember what it's called, something like living in our grandfather's uh, apocalypse or something, where mm-hmm. he parallels um, the displacement of the Potawatomi folks from uh, Michigan to like Oklahoma with climate change, sure. right? Because yeah. like oh. the, the sort of change in like their climate by going from Michigan to being displaced yeah. into Oklahoma is going to be very similar to what we're going to experience, right? Like in the, the upper, the, the Northern parts of the United States in the next right 50 years with the, yeah. the, the degree of climate change is going to be similar. The, the degree of sort of like being alienated from like the environments that we're used to and the, the conditions mm. that we're used to uh, is going to be similar. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think wow. we, don't think about those no. parallels enough. No, you certainly do not. <laughs> right. And, and to think about like, right. Like what set all this in motion, right. It is that period of like colonialism. It's that period of industrialization. It's that period of like going into the middle East, fighting wars about oil. Right? Yeah. The, these things are all sort 100%. of like intertie, like are interrelated things, right. They're tied together. And I don't think we're reflective enough about that. I think that's exactly right. I yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is just so much to, again, say about, like, this is why it's so important to talk to talk about our narratives, right? right. To talk about our histories, to talk about our presence, uh, because it's really, it's really a, an act of, like, truth-telling. Mm-hmm. And, boy, do, where's our, where's the truth is... <laughs> could not be more important like it's always it's it should be the most important thing i mean for any like thriving societies we should live with a common sense of truth and yet this country specifically has done a really good job of forming a narrative around lies (laughs) right and around um you know or, or or only particular people's narratives mm-hmm. uh just certainly not telling the whole truth about things and you know i think about like the time that we're living in right now right where we are living in this pandemic mm-hmm. where we have seen like instructions at the u.s capitol like this whole the, our political the state of our political and the like, governmental nationally i mean well not just nationally but it's happening in state legislatures is happening in city councils right mm-hmm. where there's such an element of dis, you know the misinformation right the disinformation the, the straight out lies that are being told yeah and about and about things that like we've all experienced all watched all okay. living with like it's not like this is history turn on the tv <laughs> Just turn on the TV we all saw yeah. what happened on January 6th literally I mean I'm sitting I mean I don't know about you but I remember like well I guess I'm done working for the day because I'm listening to NPR and I'm like yeah. what's happening so let me go turn the TV on and I'm like oh wow yeah whoa and um yeah you know into thinking to all the all the uprisings that have continued to happen since George Floyd was killed here in Minneapolis. Like, mm-hmm. but before that, there were uprisings before May of 2020. And yet some, there are people who want to say, you know, and want to tell you that you didn't witness or experience these things as you did, mm-hmm. um, you know, want to spend all, want to spend a lie about what we're experiencing right now when it's like, can let, you have to, so it's like, we have to trust on our own selves, right? Like, <laughs> can you please trust your own instincts when, you know, you'd say like, 
this pandemic, like, please, it's still happening. People are still getting sick. People are still dying. Wear a mask. Like, (laughs) really? Are we really having to debate this? Like, and that's, it's, it's really, um, oof, it's scary. (laughs) It's scary. (laughs) No, no, yeah. I I think it is interesting, right? Like, there are certainly people that are better at at shaping narrative, that that have been more effective Mm -hmm. at shaping narrative. And I think that is something that, right, we can all learn from, right? Like, why is it that, like, well, I mean, part of it is because, right, it's, I I think it's easier to believe a comfortable lie than it is to Mm. believe a, a an uncomfortable truth even when everything but if you're really attending to like makes it clear that you know the uncomfortable truth is the truth uh but if you don't want to deal with it at the moment you know the way you 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 avoid dealing with it is i guess yeah just to like accept the lie right right Uh, right that's really that's really well said that that some people would rather i really appreciate that believe in a comfortable lie than Except an uncomfortable truth. Well, and, and I mean, I don't think that's some people. I think that's everybody. I think that's true for everybody. Well, true. But, uh, yeah. But we, we yeah. So yeah. I think the thing is to how do we need to think about like how to how to embrace uncomfortable truths. Mm. Really, like how do we? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. How do we be better about you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we do that. <laughs> <laughs> me, me neither i uh, yeah that's that's uh i think that's one of the great it's a great challenge that our humanity faces mm-hmm. is is within that because it, it, it like i said it, it tie it's tied into everything that we are experiencing as a crisis mm-hmm. everything that like has has stemmed the, you know that's stemmed from this crisis you know like as we're just saying like the what has happened a couple centuries ago is why we're here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and we have to be honest about that and acknowledge that. And, and there's, this, there's a whole lot of barriers to that. Being the people being able to, all of us, we, collective we, being able to acknowledge that and to mm-hmm. properly reconcile with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the longer we refuse to, is it just going to continue on to... I think we will just continue to be in this, like what, what feels like a downward spiral mm-hmm. um, for society. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay. if you think of the times when things get better, it's the times we take them all, but actually like face the things that we've done poorly and try to reconcile with them. Right. And try yeah. to, and then, uh, yeah. And then we slip back into the cycle of like, well, you know, we face this hard truth for long enough. Let's, let's kind of, Let's move on and like mm-hmm. go back to the the comfortable mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. either lie or just sort of not paying attention. Yeah, um. yeah. There, there, there is a, there is an unfortunate cycle with that, and yeah. So it's kind of like it, I think it's within that that time where like where after we think we re- reconciled with it, mm-hmm. that we want to go back to being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who doesn't want to be comfortable? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> but like, eh, does that just slide us back? again in a in like a slower or more gradual way like you said where you don't notice it mm. until you, you you find yourself going wait wait a minute i thought we dealt with this <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah mm. uh, amazing well oh. on that note i had uh want to ask you that i had thought of before uh you know yes. uh, our conversation uh but i i always like to end these conversations yes. by inviting my guests 
to like to to talk about anything that like they'd like to talk about that I didn't ask about. So like, are there any topics that you'd like to talk about that I didn't think to, to ask you about? Um, you know, I thought I had an answer to this, but that was like so interesting. I, I kind of feel like our conversation went in ways that I almost in, I, I didn't totally anticipate, which is so cool. Yeah. By the way. Like I just I really enjoyed this conversation so much. Um, I guess to like, I, I would love to end on a more hopeful note sure. uh, than where we no, were. Hopeful notes um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess it's a, it, maybe you go back to joy, right? Mm-hmm. And to just like have that moment again to, to just like, just stress that we are all deserving of joy, mm-hmm. right? We're all deserving of peace, of love, and like, and for, especially since we're talking about like a relationship to the environment, like, mm-hmm. I, I think that one of my like hopes for the world is just that like everyone can have a positive relationship with the environment. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I grew up having um, like being, being fortunate to like see different, certainly to see different spaces, different places. Like I talked about like going back home to Mississippi, like being able Mm -hmm. to travel to the South a lot as a kid was, I certainly look at it, look at that as a gift Mm -hmm. now. Um, and, and I like traveling still, but I, I have realized like the privilege that I have of being able to do that and to be able to, again, experience different types of environments and know that they're, that they can be unique within themselves, whether you're in a city or you're a more open rural space or on the coast or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that like part of that personal, like, work that we have to do to there you know we talk about like the systemic work that needs to change right dismantling oppression that's the systemic work of saving ourselves as well yeah. as uh saving our our blue planet here but the personal side of it is too about like how working on how you treat yourself mm-hmm. right and like how your relationship to yourself and i think relationship to nature is a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Just, just like knowing, I just know the feeling that I get when, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I'm feeling stressed out, feeling like, oh boy, the trauma's getting to me today. Like the thing I need is to put my hands in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I have to go literally get grounded and like stretch out on, and stretch out on the grass, you know, like check out all of my, check out the plants. So really like just touching something green has like, I've found that for myself is is such a point and place of peace and of healing for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that especially as our climate has, has changed and will continue to change, it's going to get really hard, mm-hmm. right? It's going to get really hard to have those moments of, uh, you know, being able to appreciate what a beautiful day <laughs> it is. It's a very, I imagine it is beautiful up in Morris right now. It's beautiful here in St. Paul right no, now. No, it is and, really beautiful up here right now. <laughs> But like, and yeah, and so like, man, are we're gonna have to cherish these days more than I think we have ever realized? Mm-hmm. At least that that's a realization I'm beginning to have. Um, like, like, like I said, like the smoke, the smokiness from the wildfires really that was like one of those things where I was like, whoa, wait a minute, like, like these wildfires aren't are. I mean, I know there there's some fires here in Minnesota, but like they're mostly happening, you know, away from here. But like, it's impacting us right now, mm-hmm. and again we're gonna have to have to figure out how to 
keep en- enjoying the the days that we got and that mm-hmm. sounds really that sounds kind of scary <laughs> but like <laughs> um i think it's just really just i just want to encourage like people to cherish and treasure their relationship with nature and to keep yeah. working on it and to make sure that they've got those places of peace and of joy yeah we've reached the end of the conversation that i had with janice watts as a quick review in this episode janice and i concluded by talking about some of the lessons that the academy might learn from the nonprofit and community organizing worlds. More specifically, we need to think about integrating skills and knowledge related to coalition building and community engagement into the curriculum, as well as attend to the sort of narratives that are centered in our classrooms. Janice also left us with a message to remember joy and to make time, space, and effort to appreciate the environment and to take in the beauty that remains in the world. In the next episode of Just Sustainability, we'll be doing something slightly different from normal. Next time, I'm going to play you a recording of a live stream conversation that I had with Kathy Jordan as a keynote activity for the Institute and the Environment's annual meeting. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute and the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.